The following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast by thepilotreport.com about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 17A, a special show from the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo in Sebring, Florida. Interviews from Aviation for Women magazine, Aviation Insurance Resources, Cessna Skycatcher, Clarity Aloft Headsets, the Society of Aviation and Flight Educators, the FAA Safety Team, FK Light Planes, Flight Life Clothing, Flight Time Radio, Global Nav Source EFB, Hame Aircraft, and other people's airplane podcast. Now, on this special edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now, here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. Welcome, everybody, to this very special edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast, episode 17A. Let's do the pre-flight. Today I'm joined with Carl Valeri over at ExpertAviator.com to share his most recent visit at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo in Sebring, Florida. Now, if you recall, actually, back in the previous episode, episode number 17, we made an announcement that Carl would be at this event, January 19th, 20, and 21st. And he's here with me today to uh, basically give us a little recap of what he, uh, you know, the the people he met, just a general overall, uh, you know, overall uh, explanation of the the his uh, his time at the event, and then after that, we're actually going to spend the the rest of this episode, and we're going to be sharing some of the interviews he conducted with different attendees, vendors, ma- aircraft manufacturers, etc. So, Carl, welcome uh, welcome uh, today, and tell us a little bit about you know you were just there for the last three days at this expo. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, thanks, Len. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty tired, boy, but I, I had so much fun. It's actually, it was really exciting to go this year. I've been to past expos of the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo, and this one by far exceeds all the others as far as attendance. And talking to the people who put it together, they said, yes, it sure did. And Man, I tell you, the people people really, they're out there, they're excited, they want to find a way to keep flying, even in this down economy. And the way you're going to do that is through smaller aircraft, lighter aircraft, aircraft that you can operate a lot less expensively. And that's what the light sport aircraft and the sport pilot certificate gives you. And at this expo, they had everybody there. They had you know manufacturers of aircraft, of course, but they also had avionics, uh, electronics, pilot supplies, clothes. Uh, there were some folks there that were selling uh, insurance, uh, different uh, training systems, and uh, you know, different food-type items, everything uh, for the pilot and a few things for the non-pilot. This is an expo, though. It's not really an air show. Uh, so it's, it's the serious aviators that are there so you, uh, that are interested in actually flying and learning how to fly. They, uh, the front of the expo usually where you see all the planes at a normal air show is just it's you it's full of demo aircraft so that's the other cool thing if you want to go check out one of these airplanes and you want to fly one you can go up and fly but if you're at all interested in looking into a sport aircraft this is the place to be it's the largest sport aviation show in the world 
right here in Sebring, Florida. Well, that's great. So you, um, you know, you spent three days there, and uh, we've some of us who have followed your your tweets and stuff online regarding different folks who were meeting. Uh, you, I mean, you spent all three days there. I think in counting, uh, you've already sent me tw- almost twenty, uh, you know, twenty different interviews. Uh, a combination, I should say, of interviews and uh, two presentations. One by um, Rod Hightower, and the other. Um, by uh, the AOPA president, Craig Fuller. Uh, So give us a little sort of a brief overview of maybe the collective uh, information that we're going to be listening to in the rest of this episode. A couple of, you know, who did you, who are the, the, your favorites? Yeah, well, actually, uh, my favorites were, were the people that were excited to be there. And that was just about almost everybody, but they, there, there were some standouts. I I will say that Uh, one of them, uh, actually, wasn't even a light sport aircraft. Uh, it was a company called Florida Biplanes, and these folks uh, just bring back the grassroots aviation experience. And they're in Awaco, and they take you up flying. And the folks are located actually in Merritt Island, Florida, and they were just terrific. Similar to some of the other folks there that had items where they were selling clothing uh, that was exciting clothing, not just for aviators, but clothing. Uh, that was exciting for everybody. They had uh, some really outstanding designs of, say, like Amelia Earhart and uh, the Tuskegee Airmen, but something not just somebody who's into flying would like to see, but somebody who, uh, and that was a company called Flight Life, but somebody who's who's into aviation, or excuse me, into history, and into something stylish. Also, the other neat thing I got to see with the toys, you know, of course, there's got to be toys there. You have uh, all the in-flight cameras, and nowadays, you can anybody can go out there and record their flights, and it's become cheaper and cheaper. And, and there's a choice too, so you had those. And then, under light sport, uh, one of the things that I think's been a complaint of light sport in the past is there's all these designs, but they don't look that great. Well, one thing I've noticed is people are or the manufacturers are getting better at actually making products that look good look cool on the ramp is also and also are cool to fly so that's one thing that i thought was really exciting and those are the ones i think they're gonna, they're really going to uh, hold on the other the other really neat thing for me uh is the fact that there was a lot of podcasters there and uh got to meet with some of the folks at uncontrolled airspace flight time radio and we had a really neat uh, meet up there and uh, some of the other folks that do like general aviation tv uh, the other exciting thing that has to do not just with light sport but all aviation is the fact that Swift Fuels was there. Swift Fuels is the one that's coming up with these, the alternative uh, low-lead, Swift uh, low-lead or SW, Swift Fuels is what it's called. And, and that was pretty cool. Um, the other, it, it's, it, went, it, was, it ran the gamut. You had Cessna there. Uh, you know, they've been around forever. And then I went to another booth and there was a one man by himself. Uh, he Thierry is his name, and he's up in the Mon- near uh, Montreal, and he's starting out designing a, a new light sport aircraft. So you have somebody who's been manufacturing for years, all the way to somebody who's just has a, a concept, and hopefully will be bringing it out uh, and into the light sport and also into manufacturing in general. And uh, the the other thing that that one of the takeaways I had too is um, I've always wanted to do my seaplane rating. There are more and more uh, amphibious and seaplanes coming out in the light sport aircraft uh, arena. That's um, 
Trying to think the other folks that I did. Of course, the AOPA, Craig Fuller was there. I got to speak with him. Another person that I thought was is a real highlight, I think, for our listeners who are interested in getting that light sport aircraft. And the best explanation I've ever heard about the issue with light sport and the flight instruction and how it applies to the ratings going forward is uh, by uh, Doug Stewart with SAFE. And I spent some time with him. And if, if there's any interview you want to listen to, that would be one of them. He uh, really did a great job. As a matter of fact, he did a better job than anybody else there at uh, uh, the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. And I kind of wish he was one of the presenters. But we got him. We, we have him on tape. And he did a great job, terrific job explaining this, that to us all. And, and, and the other thing is there, there's a, it's just a fun place to be, Sebring. There, I was shocked. The town itself is fairly vibrant. You know, I'm, I haven't driven through that part of the world. Oh, by the way, I drove there instead of flying. So I, I got to see the world from, from the ground again. Because <laughs> every time I go... <laughs> from zero AGL. <laughs> yeah, from zero AGL. Yeah. It, it was really cool, too, because I'm, I'm driving by these towers that I'm used to seeing. Because I go to Sebring all the time for, you know, the $100 hamburger or actually blueberry pancakes is what we go there for. They're the best blueberry pancakes there. And I'm sitting there looking at these towers and some of these fields that I would see, you know, from the air saying, boy, there'd be a neat place to land. And it's like, wow, that uh, wouldn't be a great place to land, actually. <laughs> but uh, it's a community that also is focused around the racetrack. So not only do you have the Light Sport Aircraft Manufacturers Association there, you have a lot of sport aircraft being manufactured at the airport for different uh, vendors. You also have this racetrack there. So you have this economy that's built around the racetrack and light sport, and it's vibrant. And that's one of the things that I really thought was cool. I, th- I was like, wow, this, this is neat to see something growing in the middle of this economy. Uh, with that said, the, the, the other comment I made before was true, and I think everybody else has noticed it, that there is – everybody talks about the shakeout and the light sport, you know, what's, what's happening with it and, and where are we going. Well – I, I think there are a lot that have fallen by the wayside. There's more people that have entered. There's some other things that are, are in the works, some really important legislation as far as uh, the medical certification. They're discussing that and discussing the ability to possibly have a waiver, not get rid of the third-class medical, but the possibility of a waiver so you don't have to con- – or the third-class can actually last a much longer time, maybe indefinitely as long as you have a current, say, Driver's license sounds familiar, and uh, that's uh, something that uh, may hurt the light sport uh, industry or it may not. That's actually uh, that was one of the biggest debates that I heard as I was walking around: is what would that do to light sport? For instance, you know, you could buy an old Cessna for forty thousand, but a light sport's going to cost you a hundred to say a hundred fifty for the expensive ones. So why would I go with a light sport? Well, I get a new one. I get all the advanced avionics, etc. And, uh, and just one of the last takeaways as far as the expense of the light sport aircraft, because that was the other feeling I got from my friends that I was visiting with there and, and some of our listeners. And by the way, thanks for coming by and saying hello to me when you saw me in the Stuck Mike uh, uh, T-shirt. We do really appreciate you. Uh, is, and, and you all mentioned the same thing to me, is the price of these uh, light sports have gone up. Some of the speculation as to why is that the flight schools are really buying these up. They're buying them up because they're doing a lot of training for foreign uh, carriers and the light sport aircraft have all that new avionics, which is what they're going to see when they actually go out there and fly. But overall, great event. 
Uh, I was, you know, it was exciting to see many people there. Uh, actually, had a trouble getting into some of the booths there, and uh, they, and that's a good thing. It's good to see, and uh, the 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 lower number of manufacturers, I don't think, was a, a really a bad thing. I think it's just part of the the shakeout in the industry. Excellent. Well, you know, we're really happy that you were able to have that opportunity to be available to actually attend the show, meet some people on the ground level, shake some hands, and. Uh, you know, get us some great interviews. So what we're going to do now, folks, is transition into the second part of today's show where we're going to uh, share, again, like I mentioned, share those interviews that Carl did uh, collect and record at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo in Sebring, Florida. This is Len Costa from thepilotreport.com and Carl Valeri with expertaviator.com. And uh, we'll just jump right on into it. Now entering cruise flight. This is Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast at the Sebring 2012 Sport Expo, Sport Aviation Expo. And today I'm speaking with uh, Amy Laboda, and uh, she's actually the editor-in-chief of Women in Aviation magazine. Hi, Amy. Hi, how are you doing? Great, great. Tell us a little bit about uh, Women in Aviation real quick and also the magazine. Well, uh, the first thing I need to do, I need to make a little correction. The magazine's called Aviation for Women. It's really a mouthful when you say, Hi, I'm with Women in Aviation International, but I'm the editor-in-chief of Aviation for Women magazine. You go, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) All I can say is I didn't name it. (laughs) Um, It's actually a really wonderful um, organization. I was a founding board member of the organization. We're coming up on our 23rd annual international conference in Dallas in March. That's March 8th through 10th. And uh, we come together as actually women and men uh, to promote diversity within aviation and aerospace industries. And when I say aviation and aerospace, I mean anything to do with aviation and aerospace. So we are an incredible cross-section of engineers and astronauts and aviation educators and pilots, mechanics, flight attendants. All of us are involved. Enthusiasts, you don't have to be a pilot, you don't have to be a woman to be a part of Women in Aviation International. You just have to um, care about and believe that the future of aviation and aerospace depends on it being a diverse industry. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that Debbie and I spoke about and something I've written about in the past is the fact that we need a rejuvenation in our industry. One of the parts of the industry that I feel they've left behind is the marketing towards women. And, and I think that we really, just to be viable as an industry, we need to bring more people into it, especially women. And uh, I'm not sure what the numbers are right now as far as how many women are in aviation, but it's a fairly small percentage, I know that, it's and even in professional. It's the same as it has been for as long as they've had numbers, 6%. 6%? Pilots, okay. yes. And even fewer mechanics, somewhere around 2%. What has grown is the number of women who are involved in commercial aviation, and that's grown by some 500% over the last 20 years. So we've made great strides in women becoming flight instructors, getting commercial ratings, going into airline transport certificates, going into the airlines, and you really do see that in a lot of places. If you go and you look even on the floor at an aircraft factory, you'll find that some 20 to 30% of the people building the airplanes are women 
in the U.S. Hmm. And remember, we still build more than half the airplanes in the world. Okay? Okay. Great point. Really, really important point. Now, you were talking about marketing to women, and that's not what Women in Aviation International was designed to do. Women in Aviation International is actually a way for women to come together and mentor each other and network with each other in order to help grow themselves within aviation. Now, part of what we do in our outreach through our 73 chapters worldwide is, yes, reach out to youth and try to bring them into aviation. There is a definite component of that, so much so that we've dedicated one day of the conference to bring your daughter to the conference day this year. That's March 10th. And we have an entire half day's worth of activities just for girls from ages seven to 17. It's sponsored by the UPS Foundation. So uh, all we're charging is for lunch, $10, um, and no charge for the chaperone. So it's, we're very much into that kind of outreach, but marketing would be the wrong word to use because really what we're trying to do is, is show you who we are and what we do do and how to find us. As in, there are women in all of these different aspects of aviation and aerospace, just not that many yet. So we'd love to see more. That's great. I tell you, that's one thing that excites me is seeing more women come into the cockpit and, and uh, just at work, you know, I fly for the airlines and just seeing more and more women that are coming into this as a career. One of the things, though, that I've talked about in the past is the fact that people, men especially, will get a female student and they'll think that they need to do something different as far as instructing to them. You know, I'm a, I'm a flight instructor and I'm active and there's no difference between what I'll do with a female and what I do with a male student. And, and, and uh, you know, behind closed doors, that's a guy I'll talk to guys about, say, listen, you don't do anything different. Because they, uh, some folks feel, well, they have to be tougher because they're gonna have a tougher time of it. And, and I don't feel that way, but I'd like to get your opinion on that. I am also a flight instructor, and I can tell you point blank, there is no difference. People are people are people. Flight instruction is a one-on-one -on -one business. You agree? Yes. yes You're going to figure out that student and how to teach to that student. You agree? Yes, ma'am. All right. Has no, no bearing on gender whatsoever. My daughter is in an engineering program at the University of Central Florida. What that means is University of Central Florida is one of the largest state schools in the state of Florida. It probably is one of the largest schools in the state of Florida. When she goes into a lecture hall, She's one of 400 students. Is that professor teaching any differently to her? No, good point. Yeah, so my point is that gender is not a factor in anything we do in aviation. Neither, for that matter, is physical strength anymore. Um, is character a factor? Well, yeah, but does character speak to gender? No, um, doesn't matter. Terrific, wow. Boy, I tell you, I mean, that's, that was great to hear that from you. And uh, one of the things that, that I think is terrific, I've read a lot of your work, and I've seen what you've done. And, and it's, I think you're one of the best advocates for women in aviation. And I, I think you've done a terrific job. And, and I hope that you will continue that and just keep up the good work. Well, that's the idea. We are particularly proud of some of the neat inroads we've made into the digital world. Uh, we just recently launched a Women in Aviation app that you can find on the iTunes store. It's free. 
go and download it. It's also in the Android marketplace. Uh, we've also introduced an Aviation for Women app so that people can acquire back issues to the magazine for a very reasonable um, cost. So, Where do they find that? They find it in education on iTunes. Oh, okay. All right. So they just do a search on that and find if, it. In. If you look for aviation, the number for her. Aviation for the number her. Okay. I'll take a look at that. That will, that will take you to the app or the WAI app. Well, Amy, thanks for taking your time to speak with our folks at uh, Stock Mike Avcast and our listeners. Is there anything else you'd like to add as far as the Sport Aviation Expo that we're here at today? I love this show. It's always the first show of the year, and when the weather is good, it's fine. <laughs> Come on out, because this year the weather is good. I'm David Allen with Other People's Airplanes, and you're listening to the Stuck Mike Avcast. I'm here with uh, Chris Wolbert of Aviation Insurance Resources, and uh, we just want to ask you a few questions about uh, insuring light sport aircraft and, um, and what type of things should we look for and what's unique, if there is anything that's unique to light sport. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Carl. Yeah, Aviation Insurance Resources, we've been here uh, every year at this uh, show, and this is really something we feel passionate about. We've been uh, basically on the ground level of uh, the, the light sport movement and something we really support. Uh, you know, we're all pilots, all the agents are, and uh, oh, wow. really support uh, aviation. We have uh, uh, four locations across the country, and uh, you know, we're here to serve you. Wow. Uh, now, do you also insure, I think there's uh, the light sport uh, seaplanes. Do you also insure those, the seaplanes too? Yes, we do. Okay. We do. We, uh, we have 16 different markets uh, available to us to shop the market, and uh, you know, we can place virtually any aviation insurance risk. Now, I have a 182 I'm partners in. Then there's a light sport aircraft. Is there a big difference in the price of the insurance between the two, uh, say a regular production aircraft and light sport? Not as much as people think. Uh, again, it comes back to the, the law of numbers. The more number of fleet, uh, your flight design or your check sport cruiser, for example, where you have a large number of fleet, uh, the rates are very assimilated to your Cessna Piper product. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the more rare the, the numbers, the, you know, the smaller numbers of fleet, then you know we do experience some challenges there and some higher rates. Would and most of these are a lot less expensive, so I'm assuming the whole replacement cost will be less, that type of thing. Um, but how about comparing it to, say, a used aircraft? I would think possibly my used aircraft might be less to insure than a yes. light sport. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Your, your, your Cessna, your $40,000-172 is, is, is still going to be a lot less, probably half to insure a, uh, a newer LSA. Of 120, 130,000 value, it's going to be, able, you know, maybe possibly even a third the cost. Okay. Now, but that insurance is a fixed cost. So, one of the things about the LSAs is they're so much cheaper to operate. So, I'm right. assuming it's not going to be that much greater that it would reduce the benefit of getting an LSA. Correct. Okay. Correct. So that, that makes some sense there. Now, what, now you're with Aviation Insurance Resources. Uh, what do you what do you folks do different than, than most of the others? I know one thing. You're here. Yes. You know, yeah. we, we like to have uh, you know boots on the ground and, and feet, people out in the field. You know, we attend a number of uh, not only Sun and Fun in Oshkosh, but a number of the regional shows. 
you know, like to get out and talk to the folks in the industry. And uh, there's always something new to see and uh, new to learn. Great. Uh, Is there anything that people should know about getting insurance that you want to pass along? Maybe a couple of things they should think about when well, they, they are shopping. Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously, you want to get with a broker that that's that's been around for a while. Their you know, longevity does mean something, and that's something we do bring to the table. And again, we're all pilots, so we're knowledgeable in the field. And and we also shop all the markets. Not all, not always the, do the uh, agents touch base with all the markets every year, and that's something that we really pride ourselves on. Right, right. Well, a full disclosure, I have to say that we uh, we are insured with you folks and uh, with our airplane, and, and you guys do a great job. Well, we and, appreciate and, that. And, and of course, our, our co-host uh, Victoria Newville, she she works with you folks too. Yes, and we really appreciate that too. Well, thanks for, for talking. Is there anything else you might want to add? Anything as far as shopping insurance and, and the uh, light sport aircraft well, specifically? Free, yeah, feel free to uh, stop by at our website, AIR-Pros.com, and, and fill out a quote form. It takes two minutes, and uh, we can get you a quote most times same day or, or the next day. Okay, great. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate talking to you. And uh, our folks at uh, the Stuck by Gavcast appreciate it, too. And, and I'm sure they, along with myself, have learned something here. Thanks so much. Thanks, Carl. This is Jill Tallman from AOPA's Flight Training Magazine, and you're listening to the Stuck Mike Avcast. I'm here with Mike Long, the Cessna Aircraft. We're going to talk a little bit about the Skycatcher. But, uh, Mike, why don't you just tell us a little bit about this aircraft and, and how it fits into the light sport aircraft and how it competes with the others. Okay, all right, great. Well, if I can clarify one thing, I'm with Air Orlando Sales. Oh, We're sorry, the okay. dealer for the state of Florida all right. uh, as opposed to Cessna aircraft. Um, yeah, the light sport was uh, first announced in uh, 2007. Uh, our light sport aircraft, the Cessna Skycatcher, uh, one of the chief things about it at that time is the Cessna said, we want to have an airplane that we will take through the certification process that it could be Part 23 if we decided to make it Part 23. As a result, it went through some extensive testing and, uh, uh, you know, something that, uh, to my knowledge, very few have gone through that sort of testing. doesn't mean they're not good airplanes, just that Cessna has gone, has gone a step further. Right. Um, it is mostly an all-metal uh, composition. Uh, the, the, um, the front cowling, of course, is uh, plastic. Um, as a metal aircraft, what we're hoping for is since many of these were sold to flight schools, that it will have a longevity uh, that, uh, that's unsurpassed. And uh, flight school, um, uh, teaching people how to fly is an important part of what Cessna does, important part of what we do, selling airplanes. So uh, that, in, in that regard, we support that wholeheartedly because that's, that's important for everybody here. Oh, sure, yeah. sure. How is the Skycatcher doing in sales? Oh. Um, actually, it's doing very good. Uh, yeah. We have uh, roughly 180 airplanes out in people's hands right now. Again, most of them in flight schools. Um, but at the same time, we've been able to shrink a little bit the waiting period for an airplane, and I could now uh, get you an airplane in March if you give me an oh, really? today. So we can get airplanes now. Gosh, yes. I remember it was over a year. Oh, I know it. Yeah, it was, it was tough to sit there and have a product, but not be able to, you know, not be able to sell it. Now, one thing in our podcast, we talk mm -hmm. a lot about the expense of flying. Okay. And something we've been looking towards is a sport pilot certificate. Right, right. Is it, 
Do you see any disadvantages of the sport pilot certificate and, and or anything our students or, or people just learning to fly should think about no. if they might want to go on for other ratings possibly or there's no disadvantage to it because you're going to have to progress with aircraft i mean it would be nice if this aircraft were one that you could go ahead and get your private go ahead and get your instrument go ahead and get your commercial in that's not possible in the light sport category uh, however you are able to get your private here and by being uh, by getting your private with this aircraft uh, these are renting for less per hour than let's say a 172 sp does so your cost per hour is lower for that reason instead wow. of 10 gallons an hour you're looking at five and a half gallons an hour and actually a skyhawk is probably only eight or nine in a training environment but you've still you you and maintenance on these aircraft so far knock on wood excellent uh, uh, um, uh, Long, not longevity, but uh, so far we've not had to do a lot of unusual maintenance to the aircraft. They're holding up very well. So all of the costs, practically, insurance. We've seen insurance rates as being lower for this as opposed to a 170 tool, and for no reason, oh, no other reason, the whole value of the aircraft. Right. So everything's a little less expensive. Uh, that has two advantages. One, of course, is that the student should be able to enjoy a little better rate and should be able to learn how to fly for less money. You know, it's getting to be $10,000 or more to get your pilot's license. Yes. <laughs> but the other thing is many of these airplanes, a flight school typically can't go out and say, well, I want to buy 20 airplanes, just not in the cart. But if that flight school has people who buy the aircraft and then lease it back to the flight school without using their capital, they can begin to get a fleet of aircraft at the lower cost but then a decent rate of selling the aircraft, there's money to be made for the flight school because they mm -hmm. obviously have to make sure, something. Yeah. Uh, there's money to be made for the owner of the aircraft. He's got to make something to justify it. And then yet the student is still saving money. So that's a good situation for oh, everybody. Yeah. yeah, that sure is. You know, you, you talked about the certification process, mm -hmm. and they've kind of gone above and beyond. And I think I remember them stating something about some stall and spin tests that they did that some other folks didn't quite do and they that's correct and actually that's really probably a question for Cessna because I don't know exactly okay. how they did the testing but yes that is that's what we were told and uh, yeah right exactly. it's interesting because one of the things that I've I've been hearing a lot lately right. are people that have bigger planes yeah thinking about like I'm partners in a 182 sure why would I move to this aircraft uh, the, you know I, I think that first of all the 182 is my favorite airplane so you're probably oh, okay. not gonna hear the yeah. answer you want to hear in this one. <laughs> but nevertheless I, um, Simpler is better in yeah. most cases. Uh, this is a much simpler airplane than than really any certified airplane out there flying, you know, unless an older air coupe or something like that. Right. But um, <laughs> the simplicity of the airplane uh, allows you to be able to afford the airplane and to be able to fly more than you might be able to fly otherwise. Um, I, I think that's a big advantage for everybody because, you know, the more fuel we burn, the more people learn how to fly. Did we mentioned this earlier, the less expensive it is for all the rest of us, too. doesn't matter what airplane they buy. All that matters is that we get more pilots. Right. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. That's why, to me, this is a great event. Yeah. You know, this, this is where flying begins for right. most people. Right. Small aircraft. Yep, that's right. People wanting to get into jets, flying fighters, yeah. flying for the airlines. This, this is where it begins. It's sure. right here. Sure. And, and... You, you would never, 10 years ago, you could never get into a brand new airplane mm -hmm. right? And, and have the cost you have yeah. in front yeah. of you here. Yeah. That's exactly Now, right. you can. Yeah. And, and, and the, the thing that is really, I think, 
intriguing for our listeners is the fact that they can move on to right. other ratings because that's been uh, some comments lately that we've right. been getting. Gosh, where can I go with this? And a plane is a plane is a plane. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and, and you know, if you fly this plane just like any other airplane. Yeah. Well, the hobby component is different for everybody. I mean, mm -hmm. I might, uh, most of my flying is around Florida. That's about yeah. all I do. And so for <laughs> me, that's great. Some people, uh, they love getting in the airplane, going to Nashville from here, flying IFR the whole way, and that's, that's the hobby for them. You know, right. other people use it exclusively for business. So it's uh, everyone has a different use for the aircraft. Um, for those of us looking to have some fun and be able to eat too many pancakes and that sort of thing, that's a that's a good choice. Yeah, I might not be able to fit after having a lot of pancakes into this one. Here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> what, what kind of useful load do you have here, as far as? Uh, yeah, four hundred and ninety pounds. Four ninety. Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. Um, we have just uh, had a price change, and with that came a couple of nice features. First of all, the aircraft now comes uh, what, what I would call fully, fully equipped. And there are a couple of options, but pretty much you get everything you need right now. The right-hand MFD, you get an intercom system. Uh, everything on this airplane except the autopilot is included at $149,900. Wow. Uh, if you add the autopilot, I don't remember the price offhand, probably $8,000, something like that. Um, so I, I think the price is in there with uh, most of the other premium type aircraft, I believe, were very competitive in that regard. Well, one of the things that got overlooked uh, with that price increase when people were taking a peek at it, we also went from a one-year warranty to a two-year warranty. And uh, the Cessna honors, and 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 that's a big deal. Not that we're having trouble, but that warranty gives you such a great peace oh, sure. of mind, you know. And if something does happen, well, there it is. It's something that I've noticed here, and, and I. Might just be my perception because mm -hmm. I've been here a few years ago and I came right. back. It seems like a little bit slower this year. Oh, um, for sure. But okay. Yeah. And, and uh, but is number, this number of manufacturers here or, okay. or service agencies? Uh, actually, it was a good crowd this morning, so people was good for the first day uh, mm -hmm. uh, visitors. But uh, yes, it's much smaller than it was before. Obviously, the economy has to have some right. effect on that. Because this is where people come when the economy goes goes yeah. south as to certain things that are yeah. cheaper, right, yeah. or less expensive, yeah, that's right. and more bang for your buck more yeah. value, I guess is a better way to say that. Right. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I uh, was looking at purchasing one a few years ago. I w went with the 182, amazingly right. enough. Right. Uh, and I noticed there were some other uh, larger manufacturers that kind of dropped out, and I, I see them right down the, the road from us. I'm looking at right. what used to be called the, mm -hmm. the Piper Sport. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's... It, one thing that really excited me when they got into it and when Cessna got into it is the fact that you have larger manufacturers. Yeah. And, and with that, as, as a consumer, I know that they're going to be around for a while. Right. And, uh, and I know that they're going to honor these warranties. You know, warranty's great, but if they're out of business, it yeah. doesn't really help you. I, I had a customer come back today, and he looked around, and one of the first things he noticed were, were all these new names. So he came back and he said, you know, I want to take another look because he says, one thing I can count on is that Cessna is still going to be around. Right. So uh, that that has an effect on our customers. And something these other folks might be able to learn mm -hmm. from somebody like a Cessna sure. is the marketing and the sales, that, mm -hmm. that team that they have here. Uh, one thing that I've noticed in years past is you, you don't have the uh, experienced salespeople mm -hmm. at the other booths, you right, know, and, right. and a lot of times you'd have to draw people out, now, right. and, and I'm seeing that too here, sure. whereas, I mean, with you guys, I mean, it's, it's yeah. you, I, every time I've been my assessment booth, yeah. there's always been someone out here. One of my greatest challenges when, when, I, uh, when we ramp up and we're selling the numbers of airplanes we're accustomed to selling is finding good salespeople, mm -hmm. but I'm sure if you talk to anybody in America that owns a business, finding good people is uh. the most difficult thing. There oh, is. that's so, for sure. I'm not alone, but uh, uh, I 
I, I think you probably you probably saw some of that. Um, a lot of us, though, especially with with this organization, um, we use our existing salesmen who have been selling since Cessna restarted. Actually, I started selling airplanes right. in the late seventies. Oh, wow. but um, uh, we're all fairly experienced, and we sell this airplane just like we sell a one seventy two or two hundred six. It's just as important and critical to us. Uh, we obviously we make some money on it. We get some maintenance business from it. We sell some parts from it. So I don't care what size it is. Uh, we, we 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 look forward to selling. Uh, I think the real positive thing is the market in general. Um, we're accustomed to selling a lot of airplanes in Florida. And if you look at 2010, I mean, we sold under 10 airplanes for the whole year. I mean, that's just ridiculously low for us. Right. Last year, uh, we sold 16 airplanes, not including the Skycatchers. If you throw in the Skycatchers and if you throw in the used aircraft that we took on trade on the new and so they're all new airplane related, right. we sold 37 airplanes. Hmm. Now that's still poor compared to what we're accustomed to, but it's definitely a, a move in the right direction. Right, right. So my sense is the economy's coming back and, and that's a good thing. Uh, the other thing is that also tells me if you look at flight school utilization, that hours are up on aircraft, learning how to people learning how to fly and I think the Skycatchers had a big effect on that. We have one flight school that has five of them and they're now wow. averaging over a hundred hours a month on those aircraft. Wow. So that's very good. Now some of that is international training which Florida sure. has really come to the forefront of but still it, it's good signs all the way and a lot of those are domestic students too. Wow. Terrific. So that's good. Uh, challenges what? going forward? We're still not out of the woods in the economy yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it'll come. It'll come slowly. But Yeah, the aviation uh, industry has seen some <laughs> rises and some major dips right. in the past uh, many, many decades. And, yeah. and you, you really do see certain people weeded out, and, yeah. and I'm glad Cessna's still around, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a, a wonderful aircraft and, and a wonderful company, too, and I, hope, yeah. and I think it'll continue on. That, yes. And that's a big positive. Now, they're going to weather the storm. Yeah. That's yeah. my, my yeah. feeling. Right now, I'm with uh, Aloft Technologies, Michael Feldbauer, and uh, we're just going to talk to him for a second about the Aloft. I know on the uh, pilotreport.com and also on the Stuck Mike, We've actually recommended your product, and we really enjoy it. I personally have two of them. I have the, the regular one and also the TSO'd version. Is there anything new that's come out? Uh, I see here there's a Bluetooth since I've purchased. So maybe you could tell us some of the new technologies that, that, and, or anything new that's come out. Well, you know, Aloft Technology has prided itself on, on making high-quality products simple. We had a lot of requests from our, our users that they wanted to have the Bluetooth interface for either their telephone or their music and stuff, like many of the competitors did. So we looked around and we know what our core competency is, and we looked around to see what's best. So we found a product made by Pilot USA called Blue Link. Uh, we tested it for a year and a half independently of, of our system, found it to be rock solid, met with the engineering and the owners of that company and said, we'd like to do something jointly with you. And that's how our Link version came. We take our standard headset, not the TSO'd headset, and now we have now placed the Link in the middle of it, giving the uh, operators a chance if they want to have music by Bluetooth or telephone by Bluetooth, particularly if they're on the ground, the wheels are touching, um, an opportunity to have those features that are available on some of the other headsets. So there's, there's, that's the direction we've gone. We still The headset itself is still a high-quality headset it was, if the Bluetooth unit, which does require batteries, happens to fail, it's fail-safe, 
the headset portion bypasses the Bluetooth unit, so that you're never without communication. Oh, wow, that's great to know. Now, as far as the Bluetooth and as far as the folks that fly those airplanes, we have a lot of listeners that fly for the certain airlines, certain models of aircraft that the communications is interrupted, say, when uh, a cell phone goes off, or just regular communications. What can they do? Because they have to wear the TSO version. What can they do so they don't get that interference? Well, the TSO version, we are obviously we're not interfacing the link to because that would break the TSO. Uh, and so those people, if they need to have, if, they're, if they use our pro version and want to have a, a Bluetooth interface, we do sell the unit independently where they can, so when they're flying a GA aircraft or when they're in a position, I mean, I use it in my car. It's probably the best Bluetooth interface for, for a cell phone in a car that I've found. So you can actually take our standard headset or the Pro headset, get the Blue Link independently, it runs about $259, and you can plug it in independently. More wires than our, our Link version, so it's not as convenient, but it still works great. That's terrific. I think, uh, I think I'm going to actually buy one of myself, the, the, the Blue Link, because I, I have sometimes that issue, and, uh, and I think that... Uh, that would be a terrific device for me, especially in the car. I didn't realize, I didn't even think of doing that. But I think I, I ride in the car, I keep my left ear open, I don't put both, both pieces in so I can still hear. I've got hands free and it's really clear. And I, you've got easy controls. Uh, the other thing is, you know, gentlemen like yourself who fly for the airlines and you can't use it up front, but if you had the independent unit and let's say you're deadheading in the back and you just wanted Bluetooth music, you can plug it in and sit back there with great comfort, great quiet, and have your Bluetooth music playing through it. Another application I didn't think of. Now, we're doing an audio uh, program. Where can these folks see pictures of this device? Because you'd be amazed at how light and how small this is. Uh, what website can they go towards? Well, they're going to want to go to our company website, which is clarityaloft.com and they can see pictures and all the, the data on it and independent stuff. Uh, if they have any questions, they can go to the contact part of our site and we'll get a hold of them and, and, and do that. Now, how about purchasing this, this Bluetooth, the separate Bluetooth portion? I can do that also on the website, correct? That's correct. Yep. Okay. Great. I tell you, I really uh, I love this product. And uh, I have an, uh, kind of a unique issue that I get a lot of earwax. And, and uh, there are some other folks that have that issue, too. Uh, in, in dealing with that, we all have our own systems, etc. But uh, I find that I, I go through a, quite a few of those inserts. Uh, what, what's somebody going to spend on those inserts? Because that's the one consumable item on this. Well, to get a repackage of an insert, in other words, six, six changes, 12 ear tips. Typically, they're $24.95. If you see us at any of our shows, any of the shows we do, we sell them for $20. Now, here's something the boss doesn't want me to tell you. Uh-oh. You can take those ear tips and you, with a mild detergent and warm water, you can wash them one or two times. Okay, make sure that the tube is clear. Okay, but after that, they're going to lose their elasticity. You always want them to be able to, to fill up again. So you can get a couple of uses out of them. Put them in your shirt pocket or something in the washing machine or your pants pocket, and they'll get clean. Wow. I'm going to try that out. I'll let you folks know how it works. <laughs> well, just, don't, just don't let Bill know that I said that. Yeah, we, we won't let, let Bill know. Or <laughs> well, hey, th thanks for uh, talking to us today. And, and is there anything else you might want to add about the Clarity Aloft? 
Well, I've been in this business for 30 years. I was a uh, marketing and sales manager for one of the major headset companies for over 12 years myself. I liked the product when I first saw it, when, when Bill introduced it in, in 04, tried it when I was working with the other company. I liked it so much because of its performance and, and it fit every aircraft on the market where you're flying a, a quiet airplane or the original planes that these were designed for, uh, like the Black Hawk helicopter, a lot of things, it works. I had to have six different models of headsets in my other company do it. I tried to convince them to buy a loft. They didn't want to do it because they didn't think of it, but it is that solid. And for me, one of the, up, the best things about this company, I worked the shows for them all over the country. I worked Sun and Fun, Oshkosh, MBAA, AOPA, here at Sebring. And the amount of our customers that come up and say how much they love it, how great it is, uh, it's, it's a no alibi product. It works, it stays working. We have the lowest return rate of any headset, I believe, on the market. So it's fun to work for. It's a small family company. They're very service and customer oriented. So not only do we have a good product, but we take care of our customers, and that's great. Well, I can attest to its quality, and, and I wasn't paid to make that announcement. <laughs> Clarity of Loft is just terrific. Well, Michael, I really appreciate you talking to us today, and uh, and uh, just want to see, hope to see it Sun and Fun, too. I guess you'll be there and maybe Oshkosh? We'll be there. We'll All be right. there for both of them. Thanks for stopping by, Carl. All right, thank you. This is Dave with Sun and Fun Radio, and when I'm not listening to Sun and Fun Radio on liveatc.net slash SNF, I'm listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Doug Stewart, who's uh, your new position at, uh, at Executive SAFE. Director. Executive Director of SAFE, the Society of Aviation and Flight Educators. By the way, I'm a member, and it's a wonderful organization if you're a flight instructor. Uh, we just spoke a little bit uh, before, but let's bring our audience up to speed. A lot of folks are looking at getting their pilot certificate, and they want to save some money. And, and one of the things that they do, and the reason the sport pilot's out there, is they get their sport pilot certificate so they can fly cheaper aircraft and not have to worry about a medical, etc. Then what happens is folks want to go on. They want to get their private pilot certificate. There is a concern, and I think that uh, um, the president of AOPA just talked about it. And, and what is that? Is there okay. The concern is, as the rule was originally written, and, and, I, and I do believe this was an oversight, but you know we're dealing with a huge bureaucracy here, that agency known as the Federal Aviation right, right. <laughs> Administration. Uh, the rule was written so that the way it reads now, in order to obtain your private pilot certificate, you have to have received 20 hours of instruction from a certified flight instructor. Technically, if you have gotten your sport pilot certificate with a sport pilot instructor, the FAA's legal interpretation is that that time does not count towards the instruction needed for your private pilot certificate. So if you've gotten your sport pilot certificate with just a sport pilot instructor, per the FAA legal readback now, you will have to start in essence all over again, or at least those 10 hours that you got towards the sport do not count. Wow, so that's inconvenient. It's very inconvenient and it is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, as an examiner, I, I'm, I'm a full-time, I won't say full-time DPE, I'm full-time instructor, but I am a DPE for every rating except ATP, including sport pilot. The practical test standards for the sport pilot are exactly the same as the private, with the exception of the cross, some of the cross-country stuff, the instrument stuff, and the night flight stuff. 
But as far as the standards, plus or minus 100 feet, plus or minus 10 knots, plus or minus 10 degrees for straight and level, for, for whatever it might be, are exactly the same. And if an applicant for a sport pilot certificate can fly to the standard that's exactly the same, what does it matter who's giving them the training? The training, obviously, was good. So, uh, as Craig mentioned here uh, earlier at uh, the Sport Aviation Expo, uh, their AOPA's feeling as well is, is that this was an oversight by the FAA. Uh, there are petitions with the FAA to change this. Hopefully, it will change. Do you know where but, they are in the process? Yeah, I, just again my perspective but we're kind of a ship at sea without a captain so to speak you know our administrator now is a temporary administrator and to be honest I personally my personal feelings alone until the new administration whoever it might be is elected I don't think we'll see a full-time administrator and I don't think we're gonna see any major changes such as this happening until there is a new full-time administrator of the FAA. Yeah, so that's going to be at least a year or so until that happens. Exactly. Well, that's, that so, was a great uh, explanation. Go ahead. Right. Go my ahead. advice would be, though, to those who might be listening, is that if you are considering the sport pilot as an entry-level certificate, which was part of the whole purpose of this, uh, and certainly as Hal Shevers has promoted, the whole concept of modular flight training. Let's take it one step at a time. So the first for many pilots, just soloing is all they want to do. And they've achieved the solo and now they go on to something. That's fine. So we do it modularly rather than setting out this goal of I got to get to private. We can start, I want to solo. And then I can get to sport pilot. And then I can go to rec. And then I can go to private. And then maybe add on instrument and commercial, yada, yada, yada. If you're starting this, I would advise for the time being, until the rules are changed, if there's the slightest possibility that you might want to continue beyond sport, ensure that your instructor is a CFI, a certified flight instructor, rather than a sport pilot instructor. Great, great explanation. I tell you, that, that is going to help our listeners quite a bit. And and now that I have your ear, I'll let you plug SAFE, uh, And because some of our folks don't know what SAFE is. And our audience, we a lot of them are flight instructors, airline pilots getting back into flying. Like myself, I just got back into flight instructing about three years ago, absolutely loving it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they want to know where they can go and, and uh, to get started, get back into the, to the groove again, and what benefits something like a SAFE or a flight instructor organization would have. I will say that SAFE is not only flight instructors, but we are the Society of Aviation, Aviation, Aviation and Flight Educators. So you might be a K-12 teacher involved with STEM, Science, Technology, uh, Engineering, Math, using aviation as part of it. You might be a ground instructor. You might be a SIM instructor, avionics or maintenance instructors. Unfortunately, in our early first not quite three years yet, the vast majority of our membership are flight instructors, but we're really looking to reach out to any aviation educator. That being said, for the flight instructor, which was your your more specific question, uh, some of the things that we offer, when we were brand new, we asked people, well, what do you want? What do you want from an organization? And the three big things that they mentioned were mentoring, resource, and insurance. And within our first two years of existence, we created all three of these things. Uh, 
We started off building a members-only library, and when I say members-only, it is not only members-only to access, but members create the content within the library. And there are things there that you can't find anywhere else. As an example, uh, if you're doing a density altitude computation, how can you quantify the effects of humidity? To be honest, when I was asked that, I couldn't answer. And even if you asked me now, I would say, well, join safe, go to the library, because we actually have a PowerPoint presentation in our library showing how to quantify the effects of humidity upon a density altitude calculation. So we have our library. Mentoring, we actually received a Wolf Aviation Fund grant back in 2009 or 10, 10 2010, uh, to, us, to start up a mentoring program. The mentoring program, we'd surveyed uh, the community, figuring out how did we want to structure it, and we went live with it. Uh, I believe it's Sun and Fun. Uh, it's CRM. Can't remember can't much. My age, you know, I look at the mirror. Who are you? Uh, 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 it all kinds of flows together. But we do have a mentoring program in place now. Uh, and it's not limited to just a brand new flight instructor. I mean, there are times when I can use some mentoring. You know, I do a lot of instrument stuff, but God dang it, every Oshkosh, everybody announces new stuff. So. As an examiner, as an instructor, if I have an applicant or a client come with R9, I don't know how to work R9. G1000, I can handle it. So I need a mentor. If I have someone... So this mentoring program is for all of us because we're all still learning. You know, I think that's a very important point. As as most of our listeners know, I have a few thousand hours of instruction time, and, and you take on mentors. How many hours of instruction uh, given do you have? Approximately over ten thousand. Over ten thousand hours, and you still go up with an instructor. So if you, it, it, that's that's a great testament to your professionalism, of course. And and every instructor out there needs to do that. If you, the, the joy in part one of the joys and excitement of aviation for me is the fact that the learning never stops. And if I finally get to that point where I say, "There, I know it all." Guess what? That was my last day. I yes. dread that. The excitement that I see of the folks who are involved in the light sport movement or world or community, whatever word we, we want to use, uh, the excitement is genuine. Uh, the enthusiasm is genuine. Great. Uh, and when there's excited people out, boy, I get excited. Amen to that. Thanks for visiting with us. I, I really do appreciate Likewise it. Likewise for yeah. me. Thank you for uh, grabbing me and saying, hey, Doug, got a few seconds? I love it. I'm with Brian Neville with the uh, FAA safety team. And uh, they're here today and handing out information for all pilots and some specific information uh, for the light sport pilots. One of the things that uh, we've talked about before on our program is the fact that they can do some recurrent training and also complete a flight review by getting on to fasafety.gov. And if you could just tell us what, what you do with the, the safety program and uh, also uh, how this applies to, say, the light sport pilot and the private pilot. Okay, sure, be glad to do that. Um, my responsibility with the FAST team is uh, basically uh, the FAAsafety.gov website. I'm responsible for the WINGS program specifically. I also monitor the AMT awards program on FAAsafety.gov. So we cover both pilots and mechanics. The WINGS program is our answer to the airline pilots requirement to have recurrent training. If you go to fasafety.gov 
and look at it right off the bat you see that we set up online courses and maybe some seminars and then some flights uh, or a flight covering different topics with an instructor and when you complete a phase of wings uh, it qualifies as a flight review so so there's a carrot at the end of this stick is what I'm trying to say it does qualify as a flight review in fact every time you complete a phase of wings no matter how often it renews your flight review date so you're saying like if I do this once a month that's my flight review I could keep redoing it if I want yes you can keep redoing it and it builds that month on it every time you do that now of particular interest here at Sebring at the US Sport Aviation Expo um, we, we want to address some of those challenges that face sport pilots and we have a brochure that we're handing out here in our booth that addresses the the incidents and accident reports in six different categories the biggest category we we name loss of control now there are lots of reasons pilots lose control of airplanes but generally it comes down to being distracted from doing your primary job of flying the airplane but loss of control is a big factor we want to emphasize for pilots that they need to pay attention to what their primary task is and it's not the dog in the back seat it's not the kids that are crying over a uh, you know something in the backseat a candy bar or something it is actually flying the airplane keeping the wings level keeping the airspeed above stalling speed those things are more important than anything else at that time at least we also find that new sport pilots have a tendency to not be as comfortable in an airplane the first time they fly it so we see a lot of accidents occurring on what we call first flights and we and we just want to wear the level of raise the level of awareness of pilots so that they realize that the risk is greater on that first flight and they need to pay more attention to what's going on the pre-flight that they perform needs to be performed much I'm David Allen with other people's airplanes and you're listening to the stuck mic airplane as opposed to the first flight light sport aircraft and that brings us to the topic of of a pilot transitioning from something bigger to something smaller and the the inclination is to say well if it's smaller it must be easier and that is not necessarily the case and so that transition training needs to really emphasize the differences between what the pilot may have been flying and why and now what he or she is going to be flying so that transition flying is very important and the training should not be shortcut it should be very very well uh, organized and that's important for a lot of our listeners that are airline pilots that want to get back into general aviation. I think light sports a great way to go. It saves a lot of money. That that uh, transition training is quite important, especially for them. They have never flared something that they didn't flare 50 feet off the ground. <laughs> well, that's very true. In fact, let me tell you a story about a retired airline captain. He went out to a local airport and wanted to fly a small airplane. So he had to meet insurance requirements, which meant he had to fly with an instructor. So, you know, a retired airline captain, he's got gray hair and he's a little bit older, got lots of experience. They hooked him up with a very young flight instructor, a little bit intimidated, but the instructor went out and flew with the captain, found out he was an excellent pilot, and the first day was concluded very well. But the next day, the airline captain showed up a little bit early. The instructor wasn't quite finished with his previous student, so he gave the keys to the airline captain and said, go ahead and fly. Just stay in the pattern and you know, do three or four touch and goes and come back in, I'll be finished by then. Well, the captain did this, but 
He wasn't that familiar with that aircraft, so on the third touch and go, he bent the airplane. And, you know, after they discovered a, f a few more things, they found out that he did not have a flight review. Airline captains don't worry about those. They get qualified every time they get their annual check, or their six-month check. And so it turned out that the instructor was held responsible for the damage to the aircraft. So it really is important for instructors as well as pilots to check out the logbook entries, check out the proficiency levels, check out the regulatory requirements just to be sure that everything's going to work out the way you expect. Should not make any assumptions about any pilot's skill level. I think every instructor could learn from that statement. That's a very important statement. Yes, indeed. So some of the other uh, things that you're going to talk about as far as uh, light sport aircraft, is it? Sure. In the light sport aircraft, as I mentioned, we, we discover six categories where we want pilots to reemphasize their attention. Uh, we talked about the first three, loss of control, first flight, and transition. The second three consist of power loss, maintenance, and airport selection. So let me talk about those briefly. Power loss is interesting because a lot of the light sport aircraft, they don't have what some might refer to as standard aviation power plants. So they're different. They behave differently. They act differently. Uh, and many of them, of course, use less fuel, which is a real plus. But they do behave differently, and a pilot needs to be thoroughly indoctrinated on the behavior of the engine. Uh, power loss is one of those areas where it's not necessarily an accident, but it's the first step in the accident train. And so when, when that engine quits and the pilot isn't really familiar that much with the airplane, the first thing they have to remember is normally stick forward. Let's get that airspeed up where it belongs and then worry about that engine loss. Um, choosing a place to land when you don't have power is, is important also but you're definitely going to have to do that one way or another. Well, the other issue we discover is that for whatever reason, uh, owners of light sport aircraft uh, don't pay as much attention to the maintenance of their aircraft as they might if it were a, a standard category aircraft. Now, we don't know why this is exactly. Part of it might be that they think they're so intimately familiar with the aircraft they don't pay as much attention. We don't really know. We're going to explore that a little bit more. But what we want to do is raise that level of awareness for pilots, especially that just because it's flight sport aircraft doesn't mean it's foolproof. You still need to perform a great uh, pre-flight inspection. You still need to have, uh, they're not called annual inspections, but whatever that term is, and I've forgotten it right now. But a pilot needs to pay attention to the the aircraft so that the aircraft is a friend and doesn't turn on you. And then the last area, we, we discover that some pilots feel because it's a light sport aircraft and, and it may have tundra wheels or it may be uh, very, very small, that they can land almost any place. Well, there may be some truth to that, but still, a pilot needs to be very careful in his or her selection of a landing place. Uh, not, not every piece of ground is the same, especially when you're at a thousand feet. When you're when you're going down to land someplace, it's going to look a lot different when you're at ten feet. So we again want to just raise that level of awareness and pay attention to what you're going to do and where you're going to do it. 
So again, those six areas are loss of control, first flight, transition training, power loss, maintenance issues, and airport selection. And we simply want to raise that level of awareness for pilots so that one of these six doesn't turn around and grab you and hurt you in some way. And those are great. And that would be something that I wish I had in front of me to, to read about and share. But can people find this information somewhere that they can maybe on the Internet or something like that? Yes. As a matter of fact, um, after I leave uh, the expo here at Sebring, I'll be taking this information that's in the brochure we're handing out and we'll make it available on FAASafety.gov. That's our safety website. Uh, our motto is safety through education. So when we have a product like this, as quickly as we can, we'll get it up on the website so that people can find it. Now, the way they do that, they go to www.FAASafety.gov and go to the online resources and click on resources for pilots. And they'll find this brochure listed there under light sport aircraft. Wow, that's terrific. Yeah, this I can't say enough about the FAA safety program. I think it's terrific. It's a great resource. Most is free. A lot of people don't realize that. And these, these meetings, uh, just because it's free doesn't mean it's not great. Some of these meetings are terrific. Put on by the AOPA, by the FAA, air traffic controllers come in and speak to people, people with, with quite a bit of experience, and you don't have to pay for this. I think that's terrific. Well, and that is a great part of our program. A couple other organizations that, that we're involved with, uh, you'll find some webinars from EAA accessible through our site. You'll find that uh, NAFI, National Association of Flight Instructors, uh, is a big proponent of the WINGS program, and also SAFE, the Society of Aviation and Flight Educators, uh, is a strong promoter, and they provide some uh, some of the uh, safety seminar information that we promote around the country. So we have great acceptance in the industry. In fact, another carrot, if you will, at the end of our stick is that several insurance companies offer insurance premium discounts if you participate in the WINGS program. Another real plus. Yeah, we heard about that in, uh, when we spoke in a previous episode. Actually, uh, Victoria is one of an insurance agent, and she said that a lot of companies, especially theirs, will give you a discount if you're involved. And I think that's great. That That's a big incentive. You can put a dollar figure on it. And I think that's really important. Is there anything else that uh, people can take away from uh, the, the Light Sport Expo and also from uh, from uh, the FAAsafety.gov? Well, we, we have our new WINGS Pilot Proficiency Program User's Guide available. It's, it's relatively new. Uh, in there, we have announced something that will be released to pilots uh, oh, within 30 days. Um, it's called Quick Wings. One of the, one of the common uh, complaints we've heard about uh, the automated wings program is that it's complicated. Well, we have addressed almost all of those complaints in the last several months. The very last one we're addressing is too many clicks. So we've now designed a program called Quick Wings. It's one click and you're presented everything you need to know about the WINGS program, what you need to go and do. There's, it, there's even a form you can print to take to your instructor, tells him or her exactly what you need to do, and even a place for them to sign it off. So we're really excited about that. This is a little bit premature because it's not available yet, but it will be very soon. So we invite pilots to come to fasafety.gov and we'll have a big announcement when it is available. Well, I'm excited about that because I, I point people to the website and that's one of the complaints is that there's too many clicks, too many ways to get around and, and I can't wait to see that. But uh, 
Anyway, uh, is there anything else you might want to add? Just one more thing. We've already launched to the production server, so it's on the live site right now. One click for flight instructors to give credit for Wings activities. That's right on the home page in the instructor portal. One click and you're right in the program that allows an instructor to give Wings credit. So we're excited about that. That's terrific. And if you're an instructor that's not very active but you want to get involved and if you're just one of those folks like at the airlines that keeps renewing, there's a great way to get involved with your, your local airport and say, hey, listen, I can approve your Wings. Just uh, send me an email and, and uh, maybe you too will get involved with us. And, and actually, we've changed that part, too. Yes, they can still send the instructor an email, but the instructor can give immediate credit without getting an email. All they have to do is go to the website. Even if they're not logged in, we've provided a function so that they can give credit for flight activities. Wow, that's terrific. That's terrific. Well, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And, uh, well, thank you it, as well. Yeah, and it's, it's really neat to see some innovations here with the AFA Safety Gov. Well, one of the things we want to do is be responsive to the people that we're, we feel responsible for. We want to help improve the aviation safety record. I think every pilot does, so we want to join hands and do that together. And I'm going to speak with uh, Mitch Hansen. I'm standing right now in front of this really cool-looking airplane called a Comet, and uh, boy, does it look fast. Can you just tell us a little bit about it? Uh, this is the uh, FK-12 Comet light sport biplane. It's manufactured by uh, FK Light Planes of Spire, Germany. It's uh, going to be one of the, if not the first, uh, light sport aircraft certified for aerobatics. Oh, wow. Uh, we're going to get the Lycoming... Uh, AIO 233 installed here. Our next two airplanes coming in will have that. Uh, and this airplane will be, you know, just a, a lot of fun. A light sport aircraft that's capable of aerobatics. Well, that's cool. That, it, it uh, I guess you've heard this a million times. Looks like a Pitts. Uh, it looks like a Pitts, but it's it's completely different design. Uh, it's, if anything, it's probably uh, based more on the old uh, Bucher German biplanes than anything else. Oh, okay. Uh, but it looks nice. So what, what can you do in this as far as when you do come out with the aerobatic version? What will you be able to do in this? Uh, you'll be doing gentlemen's aerobatics, you know, loops, rolls, spins, cubinates all day long. Uh, we're not certain uh, whether you'll be able to snap maneuvers or not, but, uh, you know, it's not designed to compete with the extras or the pits. You know, it's just a light sport aircraft that you can do aerobatics in. So now, and it's uh, currently is an SLSA, and, uh, and about how much is it? Uh, a basic airplane right now with the Rotax... 912 ULS is about 120,000. We figure once uh, we get the Lycoming and all the uh, aerobatic stuff in it, somewhere around 135,000. So, oh, wow, that's a pretty good price, especially for an aerobatic airplane. And uh, as far as avionics, what, what are you going to have inside there when you? Oh, you can uh, have everything from basic, you know, uh, needle ball airspeed to uh, uh, a Garmin glass panel in the, in the pack, in the back. So it's there's a pretty good uh, variety of stuff right now. I will say one thing, though. Looking around here, it's probably the best-looking and fastest-looking airplane on the ramp. It feels like or looks like it's actually going fast. <laughs> uh, it looks fast, and it's great, but it is a light sport biplane. So, uh, you know, I, I cruise around 105 knots indicated. You know, I can true out 120 on a good day. Uh, but it's not designed to go very fast, realistically. 
Now, I noticed that the canopy, that uh, stays on permanently. Can you take uh, that off? No, actually, the, the canopy will swap out in about five minutes. Uh, this has got the dual bubble canopy. Uh, take four screws off, that takes off, then put a, another windscreen for the back, and you've got an open cockpit, which is a standard configuration. Oh, that would be fun. If uh, people want to actually take a look at this maybe online, where, where would they find this? Uh, you can go to our website at uh, www.hansenairgroup.com. That's all one word, and that's uh, Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N. Air group, all one word. What's better than a biplane to, to get started in? <laughs> oh, it's it's a classic. It's just one of those things you just you know you're grinning from ear to ear when you're flying it, and when you when you step out, you kind of swagger away from it. You know, it's it's a great airplane. Now, uh, as far as uh, light sport, a lot of our listeners are just getting into flying. Uh, the difference is usually a, a little bit lighter on the controls, and people some folks are airline pilots wanting to get into light sport. Oh, yeah. Is it, This will have the same type of issues. Is the elevator sensitive on this like some of the other ones that I've flown in? It, I, I won't say it's sensitive. It's a, it's a very responsive, but it's a, it's not a twitchy airplane to fly. It is a light sport, so you're, you know, it's a, got light wing loading and everything like that. You're going to deal with the gusts a little bit different than you would in something heavier, mm -hmm. but that's uh, uh, that's to be expected. Steerable tailwheel? It's got a, a direct steerable tailwheel on it right now. Uh, we're probably looking at something like a Maul or a Scott tailwheel as an um, option for it. So make it a little easier to handle. Right now it's, uh, it's very direct, very, uh, very sensitive on the ground, but that's about the only thing i got to worry about. How's the show been going for you folks, and in general, how have you liked it? Oh, it's great. Uh, we got a pretty good turnout so far, uh, and just being Friday, still it's, you know, and, it's doing great. The weather's perfect. You can't ask for anything better. You know? I will say one thing. I've been here for a day, and you probably have the most videos on the Internet right now oh, yeah. because of this aircraft right here, and it's uh, it's terrific. Oh, yeah. People people just they can't walk by it without coming up to it. So it's uh, In fact, today we're going to do it to a clock, uh, swap out the canopy and do a wing folding demonstration, which is the wings fold on this airplane. It's another feature that it's got. Right. So. And for our listeners, we're going to put some pictures on the internet at uh, stuckmikeavcast.com so they can actually see this aircraft. Well, uh, really appreciate your talking to us today. And uh, anything else you might want to add about this aircraft that our listeners might be interested in or something additional uh, as far as the air show it's, itself? Uh, as far as the air show, uh uh, just you know, stay by and watch the uh, flybys. We'll maybe be doing some flybys with it later on, and uh, we'll be at Sun and Fun, and we'll be at Oshkosh too. So. All right, great. So if our listeners couldn't make it here, they'll definitely be at Sun and Fun, and so will we, and also at Oshkosh. So we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you there. Thanks so much. So I'm here at the 2012 Sport Aviation Expo, and uh, talking to Adam at uh, Flight Life, and he has this really cool looking line of, of uh, clothing and uh, what, it, what is Flight Life and how did you get started and who, who's your uh, customers? Our customers run the gamut from every age whether it be dog, human, helicopter, light sport, jet. Uh, we designed this really in a reaction towards a 27 year old pilot. I've been instructing for a couple years now and everything that was out in pilot shops and online I thought could be more. And I was kind of sick and tired of looking in my closet and seeing other companies that I was paying $25, $30 a shirt. So I figured I could make it myself and started about six months ago. Uh, right now we have about 35, I think it's about 37 different kind of t-shirts. We have hoodies, hats, beanies, dog beds that are safe for travel that clip into the either the aircraft or your, your car. We have iPad covers. We really want to get anything we can do to pay homage to our industry whether it be fixed wing, rotorcraft, lighter than air, whatever it is, 
we're going from Da Vinci on through first woman to fly. Obviously, most people know. Most people don't know who the first African American woman to hold a pilot license was, Bessie Coleman. We're covering stuff for her. We do stuff for the Tuskegee Airmen, uh, Charles Lindbergh. We run everything and then design our own graphics around that and try and get it out to anybody we can. I like your product line. Like what you just said, I, I can reiterate, it's very unique uh, just looking at everything you have here. And you have something for everybody. I, I just You have children's, and uh, you also have some koozies and uh, slap-on koozies, I guess you call them. And uh, the other thing I think is really cool, I, like, I might get one, is this iPad cover. It says, I fly. And it has, looks like, almost like a, a sea ray flying through an, uh, an apple in the background. I think that's... That's really cool. Is there any other products that are big sellers and most popular? Uh, the most popular are the t-shirts. Most popular one that we do sell in today's show, the lighter the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo, is the Just Fly. It does have the aircraft that you see. It's a kind of a play on graphics of a Nike image. However, it does not infringe on their copyright or trademark. We made sure of that. Um, other most popular one is our Amelia Earhart. Uh, it pays homage tweaks it a little bit it was a black and white image that we wanted to put some color to and make it really pop and go from the older crowd to the younger crowd so we feel that that's where we want to be and that is one of the most popular I, I tell you it is striking I will say walking down the aisle you can definitely you're wearing it today and, and I can definitely see it and, and you're right it does pop out at you and, and you can see it now uh, for our listeners and, and I'd really suggest them take a take a peek at this how how would they find you where would they find you on the internet uh, www.flightlifeshop.com. Now, a lot of folks like to go for the $100 hamburger or just an excuse to go buy any aviation product somewhere. Is there any place they could fly to to find your product? Right now, we're exclusively at Banyan Pilot Shop, which is at FXE, Fort Lauderdale Executive. Right inside uh, the main terminal, they'll direct you right over to the pilot shop, which I think is about a 3,500 square foot facility that really will cover everything that a pilot could need from the newest pilot to the oldest pilot. Cool. It's a lot of fun. I like I like your products here. I like the one that's I love pilots. I think that, the pink one. That's that's terrific with the yeah and with the little biplane in there. I think that's terrific. Uh, how's the show going? Is it keep? Great. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, this is actually a much busier day than I thought it would be. Yeah. And I think the weather has helped us a lot. Beautiful weather in Florida. You can't beat it. Just a little bit of a breeze and not too hot. No, that's for sure. Well, Adam, thanks for talking to us today. I really appreciate it. And today I'm uh, speaking with uh, another podcaster, uh, Milford Shirley, with uh, Flight Time Radio. And um, Milford, what, what is Flight Time Radio? Well, Flight Time Radio is a little bit different. Uh, we do the podcast, same as uh, a lot of the guys, and we love doing that. It gives us a chance to reach a lot of pilots. But what we do that's different, we want to reach non-pilots. And we feel like that people finding an aviation podcast probably already going to have their certificate in their back pocket. So we go the step of being a live radio show out of Jacksonville, Florida. We're live on Saturdays talking on AM 600 WBOB. And then all we do is just take our audio and then edit it and put it up as a podcast. Oh, wow. So And they can find the podcast also at the... Right. We're at flighttimeradio.com. And on that website, we have a listen live button. So if you're sitting around your computer at 1 o'clock Eastern and you decide to listen in live, so you may, may want to call into the show. Uh, hit the button, and uh, you'll be listening right directly live. So you say you, do, you appeal to people that don't necessarily fly right now. So what kind of topics do you talk about? Well, we'll talk about any topic, but realizing we have two different audiences, we try to be a little bit um, 
kind of talking not in technical terms for our AM audience, but we don't want to talk, dumb it down too much, I guess you could say, so that our pilot friends would get uh, tired. But anything, we'll talk about you know uh, iPads for flight. We'll talk about new uh, uh, tools that you know new uh, portable ethoses, uh, things like that. Airplane designers, airplane manufacturers, uh, aerobatic pilots, just anybody that has new and flying. And uh, we try to make it sound like fun so that non-pilots go, gee, I'm jealous, I want to do that too. That's terrific. And uh, a little cross-pollination there. We have a lot of folks that haven't started getting into to flying yet. We're here at the Light Sport Aviation Expo, which is really where flying starts. It starts here in light airplanes, two-seaters. Uh, what's one of the biggest takeaways uh, from this show? What is one of the things that's really impressed you about the Light Sport Expo? I'll tell you what, the Sport Aviation Expo here in Sebring is the granddaddy of the LSA shows. It's a little different than Oshkosh and Sun and Fun, and it's more of a trade show. Uh, there's not an air show per se going on, but there's a lot of aircraft being demoed. If you're vaguely interested in the idea of buying and shopping for a different kinds of aircraft and LSA is on your radar, you need to come here. There are people that want to put you in an airplane and let you go out and test their product. You know, I notice it's not just uh, airplanes here. They're they're trying to sell you know the, the fun of flight too. You see a lot of products for people that are flying. But I've also noticed some of the flying communities are here, and uh, we've got quite a few of those. It's interesting. And I uh, have you ever been able to get into any of these flying communities yet? Well, yeah, actually, I just joined a new AA chapter, and it's based on a flying uh, airport community near my house, uh, one in Green Cove Springs, Florida. It's called the Howler uh, Flying Community great group of guys and uh, I'll tell you what it's a ball going down there for the chapter meetings but uh, the, these things are sprinkled all over the place for people that may not realize it when they're flying uh, cross country and look down and see a little tiny airstrip you pay attention sometimes you'll see them attached to houses and uh, uh, I'll tell you what it's a great phase we we have a uh, uh, commercial on our show about NC air parts uh, there's a lady Geneva Allen that sells that's her specialty as a real estate agent she sells property for you to live with your airplane. Wow, that's really cool. But, uh, and again, what was the NC Air Parks you said? Yeah, actually the website is nc-airparks.com. Uh, Geneva Allen's been doing it for, her and her husband started it, and uh, uh, she's been doing it now for quite a few years. And uh, of course she's been hurt like everybody else in the economy, but she, it seems to be coming back somewhat. And of course we all know pilots are passionate about what they do, so uh, she's hanging in there and doing good I think now. Well, one of the things that doesn't cost pilots much is talking about flying, and boy, we sure do a lot of that, don't we? I don't know. I know a lot of pilots that have cost them a marriage or two, you know. <laughs> That's for sure, just hanging around the airport and not, not stop talking about flying. <laughs> you know, I, think, I think that's why we as podcasters, we do what we do. We're going to talk flying anyway. We're going to talk airplanes anyway. If we do it with a podcast show, we got people that want to hear it. Yeah, that's for sure, because I know when uh, I start talking about flying with my girlfriend, she's like, don't you have a podcast to do? Yeah. <laughs> don't practice on me. <laughs> yeah, don't practice on me. That's true. I noticed another thing that you have here. There's uh, some pretty unique and interesting uh, T-shirts. One is, if gravity is the law, then I'm public enemy number one. We're, these are cool. I'd love to get a hold of them. But say uh, our listeners, is there a place where they can go to maybe buy one? Yeah, there is. Uh, FlightTimeRadio.com, our website. We haven't really ramped it up to be a T-shirt sales. The reason we did the T-shirts here was trying to pay for our booth. It was our first time doing a booth. So we're trying to make a little bit of money. Uh, we came up with some what we think are pretty funny sayings. Uh, uh, I think the most popular ones have been the uh, for the Cub pilots. 
We got one that says, Cub drivers know why dogs stick their head out of the window. <laughs> and there's another Cub pilot's motto, how can I be lost if I don't care where I'm at? It seems to be a couple of popular ones. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But th- this is uh, truly a, a fun place to be, is here at the expo, listening to people and, and seeing people and uh, everybody that's passionate about aviation. Now, you've been to this show in the past, and have you, can you compare it maybe? Is it uh, busier, slower? You know, they're our first year doing a booth, and so far as booths, but I can tell you what every exhibitor I'm talking to is saying, wow, this is so much better than ever. Yesterday was the opening day, and they said this is the best opening day ever. Today's Friday, which is not the biggest day. Saturday is, and they're saying this is the biggest day ever for a, a Sebring show. And so obviously it's getting better, uh, growing, and this is the granddaddy of the LSA uh, shows, and it seems like it's doing nothing but getting better. You know, I may have to eat my words from earlier that this seemed a little bit slower, but I think it was because I was here earlier speaking, and it was kind of cold and people didn't come out. One thing that I did notice, there might be just a few less exhibitors than there were before, but still, you still have those people out here and that, you know, looking into aviation and uh, do have a passion for flight. The other interesting thing about this show that I think, it's an expo. It's not quite the air show that a lot of people come to see. But you still get to see some airplanes fly. And I don't know if you've been out there. Is there anything really interesting or fun that you've seen? Well, I'll tell you what. The one I'm interested in, I actually talked to a guy quite a bit about. The way they do their demo rides is for the very, very light stuff, the uh, powered parachutes and trikes. They get to go up early in the morning and late in the evening when the winds are uh, at their weakest. And then it gives way to the, I guess you would say your normal, with my finger quotes, your normal LSA aircraft for the whole rest of the day when it might be a little windier. Some reason, I don't know, there's some flaw in my character. I'm interested in the backpack powered parachutes. I want to do that so bad, it's killing me. A guy walked out with a t-shirt on, and so we're talking back and forth. And I think I might have to get out and try that out. I tell you, I was rolling my eyes there for a second, but I tell you, that does look cool. It's you, it's the bugs, it's the, the, the air, and you just get to be out there with the air floating around just like a bird. And that's, that's kind of like why we fly is because we want to feel like a bird. Now, you also fly a, a, an airplane and you have an aircraft? Yeah, actually, I own the best thing you can do to own an aircraft is own a piece of an aircraft. I tell everybody, you're crazy to own it by yourself. I'm in a four-person partnership, and I have the perfect partnership. The other three guys do not fly, but they do pay their 75% of the cost. So uh, really, uh, for a quarter of the cost, I've got a Cherokee 180, and uh, I put gas in it and go. I think that's great, too. I'm, I'm also a partner in an aircraft, and boy, I tell you, it's wonderful. Unfortunately, I have a partner that flies all the time, but it's a little bit different. You have my condolences. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, is there anything else you want to share with, with our audience uh, at the Stuck Mike Avcast about Flight Time Radio and... and uh, and flying or, or this uh, expo? Well, just uh, for us, Flight Time Radio, if you've got a, somebody that you want to get interested in flying, try to turn them on to us. We, uh, we talk flying, but we try to talk, really the honest reason we do the AM show and we spend the money to get the AM airtime is only directly to reach non-pilots. So uh, if you want to infect somebody, send them to us, we'll do our best. Flight Time Radio, that's great. Uh, I'll, we'll send some folks there and, and, I, and uh, I really would would recommend it. Boy, it's uh, it's a great show for people just starting out in aviation, but even for folks that are in aviation, like you said, to listen to. Well, thanks so much, Milford. I appreciate it. Thanks, Carl. I appreciate the uh, attention you've given me. And I'm with Jeff Aarons with Global NavSource, and they have uh, an iPad EFB. And uh, Jeff, you were just about to talk to a little bit about 
the, the iPad, the EFB, and, and maybe some of the things that the primary features and what's, what makes you different than some of the others? Sure. Uh, it's a basic app. It's uh, very easy to use, a button bar across the bottom. Uh, info gives us uh, latest METARs and TAFs, weather conditions, uh, and the basic airport information. Uh, next button over, we have the plates, and uh, we make use of gestures, so we can easily flip with a gesture between plates. We can tag favorites to get them organized, have them ready, and then flip between the favorites. Uh, they're optimized for the iPad screen, so they're uh, easy to read and uh, pretty simple to get to. Charts uh, will bring up the, either your choice of VFR, IFR high, or IFR low. Uh, we overlay the weather on the charts. In this case, a VFR chart, uh, looking at the sectional, and here uh, Tampa area would have an underlying terminal area chart, so if we zoom in, uh, it'll switch automatically to the terminal area chart and zoom back out. It will go to the uh, sectional. If we go uh, a little bit out of the area, it'll go out actually to a WAC chart uh, to uh, cover the wider area. So it's all seamed in there, very easy to operate. Um, we also have aerials, which are... Uh, really handy, particularly at an airport like Sebring. Uh, we can see our position on the aerial. It's all cache data, so you take it with you. You don't need internet connectivity, but you can very accurately see where you are on the uh, so That's almost like a safe area. taxi there. It is, yeah. And a lot of people like it. It'll pull up any airport, including a grass strip or what have you. You get a, a feel for what the airport's going to look like before you get there. It's nice for situational awareness. Um, so that's basically it. It's very cost-effective. It's only 99 bucks a year for everything, including geo-referencing. There's no third-party uh, subscriptions. Um, so it's uh, now. How about uh, say I'm flying IFR today from here to Tampa or something? How can I plan that on here and then go ahead and file it? Or just... um, right now we're not doing uh, flight plan filing, but that'll be coming out very shortly. We okay. have an update coming out next week that'll introduce some. Uh, some new routing and uh, 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 filing capability. Uh, all the updates are no charge. We continually push updates generally uh, every couple of months. There's new features and functionality listed. Um, we're primarily in the uh, uh, airline and military uh, aviation. They demanded a very easy to use app in a high workload environment, so you find it's very simple to operate. Uh, this is uh, our second Sebring show. We introduced it last year here for the first time to general aviation, but it's been very well received, e easy to use, and very cost effective. So, uh, so again, the price is it's a hundred bucks a year for everything, including the geo referencing. Including geo referencing. Well, that's terrific. I do like that. I like that. I'm looking at the photo right now, and uh, I wish I had that while I was taxing. You know, because I, I I go to a lot of new airports, and and trying to find my way around is the most <laughs> nerve wracking thing. But uh, that's a terrific product. The other thing that that I'd have to say, just from looking at it. Is is the the uh, ability to just look and pull the information quickly using my eyes? It's it's got a good format and a good layout. But uh, yeah, I wish you luck with it. And uh, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners as far as how they can get in touch with you and where they can uh, see the product? It's on the App Store. Just search for Global Nav Source, and you can download a free trial. It's a sixty day free trial. Okay, and uh, and also on your on your uh, website there, Global. Uh, navsource.com. Yep. That's the other way. All right. Well, thanks for uh, talking to us. Okay. I'm here at the 2012 
Sport Aviation Expo, and I'm talking to Thierry at uh, Haim Aircraft. And uh, Thierry, what's, what is it you're doing here today? I see a lot of uh, designs on the wall and all, so it uh, looks like you're, you're in the process of getting ready to start developing and, and manufacturing. Exactly, Carl. We are building the prototype of a new clean sheet design aircraft in Canada, near Montreal. It's going to be a tandem aircraft with a Rotax 100 horsepower, and we are building the prototype, and we will present it at Oshkosh 2012. Oh, cool. So the uh, I, I notice here that you have uh, a computer generation, and you have a, a few parts, etc., is there any way on the internet that people can actually take a look at this design? Yes, uh, people can uh, look at uh, 3D rendering and uh, uh, also uh, SolidWorks uh, design uh, on our website, which is uh, www.haim, it's H like hotel, A-I-M hyphen aviation.com. Oh, cool. So what, what makes yours different than some of the other uh, designs that are out there right now? Well, uh, we wanted our aircraft to be really a uh, uh, rugged aircraft, uh, like a lot of uh, Canadian uh, construction. So there is a, a heavy landing gear. Uh, we can uh, land on unprepared uh, terrain. Uh, there is a 4130 uh, steel protection cage uh, surrounded by aluminum uh, skin. You can also uh, fly uh, open canopy or closed canopy in a standard configuration. Uh, it's a Rotax 100. Um, uh, with a uh, lot of room inside, it's 26 uh, inch uh, width at the arm uh, rest, so it's a lot of room, it's tandem uh, configuration and uh, you can also uh, interchange the outboard wings. Uh, we have three outboard wings, so you can interchange the outboard wings uh, to adapt the flight characteristics of your aircraft if you want to fly faster or you want to have uh, more stall uh, characteristics, you can also uh, do that. Now, and this is going to be a SLSA, or is it going to be an experimental kit also? It's going to be only a SLSA and ELSA, so ready to fly SLSA and ELSA. Uh, it's going to be a kit 70% built at the factory, and the builder will have to complete the 30% remaining, uh, which uh, is around 250 hours, 300 hours uh, building time. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. The uh, Now, we have listeners all over the country and in Canada. If they wanted to come visit, is there any place they could come visit you? Yeah, please. Uh, we are located in uh, La Chute Airport uh, near uh, Montreal. So its address is 100 Boulevard Bradford, Building B on the La Chute Airport. Well, I'm very pleased to uh, be at uh, Zebring 2012. It's the first uh, show in the United States to present our aircraft uh, out of Canada. So I'm very happy to be here and uh, to meet uh, to meet you. <laughs> this is exciting, actually. We this is one of the most exciting things about the show is getting to see some of the new products. And you know, of course, they can't see this because we're we're audio, but it's it's a pretty sharp looking product, and I, I can't wait to see it in production. Thanks so much for. Thank you, Carl. Have a nice day. Thanks. Today I have a special guest, David Allen. I'm speaking to other people's airplanes. Hi, David. Hey, Carl. How's it going? Good, good. Hey, uh, what, what is it uh, other people's airplanes uh, is all about? What do, what do you guys do? What do you? Well, you know, I started off with uh, the Pilot's Flight Podlog, and I started with podcasting and, and just volunteering at air shows and, and being around airplanes and being around pilots and being around airports and being around aviation in general. Just I had an uncanny ability of getting myself into other people's airplanes, and I figured... Oh, wow. <laughs> 
I figured that was kind of like <laughs> disingenuous for me to keep all the, those memories in my head because it's magic every time, right? Sure. Oh right. yeah. So I figured it's kind of like, well, I'm keeping that all to myself. So why not? Why not bring the audience along for the ride? So now I mount little HD video camcorders inside the airplane, and whenever I go flying, I, I try to capture the experience and turn it into a video and and show the audience what it's like to fly in this airplane or that airplane in glorious HD video. Cool. Now, how do people uh, find your videos? Do they just go to your website, or can they download it on iTunes? Yeah, uh, otherpeoplesairplanes.com. Everything goes to uh, that page, and it's embedded from YouTube. And I'm also happy to announce that I am now uh, in iTunes, so you can subscribe to oh, cool. the show and have the videos come right to your right to your favorite podcatcher. Awesome. Is now is there anything that that stands out in your mind as maybe your favorite video or your favorite flight possibly, or Man, the so... most unique flight or the scariest flight? Or... Well, I gotta tell you, probably some of the best flights I haven't yet released because I don't have the video, but I will soon, and that'll be the stuff that I got from from. Acro Camp 2 when oh, I was a cool. camper. So you're going to see all that come out in the feed uh, fairly soon. I'm not going to tell the story of Acro Camp, of course. That's Steve's job. But mm -hmm. uh, I will be featuring each of the airplanes to show the audience what it was like to fly the Cetabria, the Super D, and the the Pits, which was just a beast of an airplane and so much fun. Just to sum up, what what is Acro Camp again? Uh, Acro Camp is... Uh, uh, for ordinary pilots, and I'm doing air quotes here so your audience can't see that, but when I say ordinary, I mean uh, they're, they're $100 hamburger pilots, private pilots, they're instructors, uh, could be corporate pilots, airline pilots, but they don't have any aerobatic experience and probably don't have a tailwheel endorsement. Team those four pilots up with three different airplanes, aerobatic airplanes, and two aerobatic instructor, uh, instructors teach them how to fly aerobatics upside down in four days. Wow. Capture the whole thing on film and make a reality movie out of it. It's a cool. documentary. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Acrocamp 1 is now in post-production, and Acrocamp 2 will be following hopefully shortly thereafter because that's the one I was a pilot in. Wow. That's, uh, that's cool. They, uh, and that must have been wonderful. It was a shocking experience, and uh, now now I, I can't wait to go fly some acro again. It just awesome. it is such an amazing thing to be able to conquer that, you know, because you think, oh, uh, how hard is it? And it's not a walk in the park, but anybody that, that has just a little bit of discipline can do it. There's airplanes taking off. How yeah. about that, huh? It All looks right. like a cub. That's airplane noise. That's good noise. That's good noise. That's what we like to hear. Right. <laughs> so how did you get into aviation? How did you uh, start flying? How did you get your passion, really, of flight? Oh, that was my dad's fault. Yeah. Yeah, he's a pilot. He's a private pilot. And when I was eight years old, he took me flying for the first time in a Cessna 152. And it was just, it was downhill from there. So we went and got to... Uh, fly a lot actually we flew in Cessna 177s 172s oh, cool. got to Civil Air Patrol which got me all kinds of aviation experience and it's just something that I've you know I'm not a private pilot a licensed private pilot at this time uh, I've never soloed or anything like that and so I, I don't consider myself a pilot but I stay involved any way I can yeah. well gosh you know thanks for for just introducing us to other people's airplanes and um, if, if you get a chance check out the videos I mean I, I think they're great they could do a good job at them, and uh, like most of us podcasters, we all have other jobs usually, and uh, yep. and boy, it takes a little while to have some of these come out. And 
I think you do a terrific job on them. Thanks. Yeah. I, I have fun doing them, and I love sharing that stuff with the audience. Yeah. Is there uh, anything that you, that stands out about this uh, expo that we're here today? That, that in your mind, what what are you gonna think about tonight when you think about the 2012 expo? There's only this is only the second uh, expo that I've ever come to. I, I missed it last year, but I was here in let's see, uh, 2010. I guess I was here, and um, this year that one of the first things I stumbled on was this. Uh, uh, airplane it was called a fk12 comet and it looks I, I i must be ruined steve did this to me it looks like a pits <laughs> it's an lsa two seat to, uh, biplane that looks like a pits it's got foldable wings and uh, i interviewed the guy so you'll see that uh on my show otherpeoplesairplanes.com when i cut this all together it looks like a riot that I, I did not expect to see a pits uh pits-esque LSA with with uh, you know a biplane here today that just kind of was very very cool cool what awesome. about you what was what's your favorite thing well my uh, favorite thing actually was to see that Cessna is still here producing yeah uh, light sport aircraft because uh, you know there's some people that have dropped off the 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 other you know this isn't an LSA but the Waco yeah oh the yeah biplane Florida I was just like oh my gosh that's terrific spoke with them I interviewed them earlier and uh, they just talk about the passion for flight that's uh that's those are passionate people about flying and you can't help to be too when you're around them yeah and uh, I, it was funny because I'm, I'm sitting there interviewing him and i couldn't help but stare behind him at the airplane <laughs> <laughs> he was like what is he looking at he knew i was looking at the airplane and during the interview the other guy comes up to me and says you weren't really looking at him were you i, said, no. I was looking at the airplane <laughs> the, the whole airplane. time <laughs> but you know the other thing that i've noticed and, and i'm hoping tomorrow will be a little bit better it just seems a little bit uh lighter as far as attendance possibly than, than the times past uh, and maybe not quite as many exhibitors, uh, but uh, I think in this industry you're going to see a little bit of shakeout. You know, they're going to see who's going to be the most popular, and and uh, but you see the Remoses, CTLS, uh, you know, the Air Cams. You, you see uh, the Carbon Cubs, the Cessnas, the the Piper or the excuse me, the Sport Cruisers now, and that's great to see that those people keep staying on. And I think one of the things that we're looking at now is sustainability, sustainability of the industry. I, I don't have a lot of common core of experience because this is only my second time, but you're not the first person to say that today, that it's a little bit light. But like you said, I mean, we're sitting here right now in front of uh, Evector. They were here a couple years ago. Uh, Technum was here. They're, they don't have as many airplanes, but I don't think they're having a problem uh, selling them. They're just not coming necessarily to this show. I'd like to see this show really take off, but, you know, it, it really... I, I think that for the LSAs, this is kind of like the Oshkosh of the LSA uh, movement, because uh, uh, this is no Oshkosh. But you know, no. it's, it, it is a cool event, and it's it's much more uh, close knit. You can see it all in a day. Well, you can see it all in two days, maybe I guess. But you know, it's it's just there's so many LSAs here, and it just goes to show that LSA movement or or that the LSA type is not going away. There's no. plenty. It's a target-rich environment if you're looking for an airplane. Sure, and you you know to, to add to that, the and I did this in a blog post just recently and, and put it out that we as pilots we start all no matter if we fly for the airlines, fly fighters or fly for fun we started in small airplanes, and what I see out here are a lot of small airplanes, and this Sebring to me is flying where it begins. This flying begins here. Yeah. Flying begins with a small two-seat aircraft 
and then we move on. We can all come back to our roots, and we see more people doing that. Yeah. And that's that's my biggest takeaway, I think, from Sebring and the light sport community is this is where flying begins. Well said. Well said. Well, Dave, it was, it was uh, great talking to you, and, and I really hope to see some of those videos. That's going to be exciting. I, I can't wait to, to see more of the, the HD and Acro Camp, and, and uh, not to spoil it, but you didn't get sick, did you? Uh, I, I never uh, had any projectiles leave <laughs> that, that went in one way, so uh, I, I did feel pretty pretty uh, torn up a number of times, I'll say that. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thanks again, David, and we'll, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. It's good talking to you. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com, a Len Costa Production.